Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. City Limits. Brought to us by the People's Committee for Melbourne every Wednesday at 9am. City Limits is Melbourne's only hour devoted to our urban environment. To transport and planning and housing issues. To privatisations and our utility services. To building and or maintaining a sense of community. 855 on the AM band, if we can hear it through the noise and find it through the smog. City City Limits. Limits. Beyond the sprawl, beyond the blight, the neon light, beyond the sea, under the trees, a secret garden. We have to go a little further that they'll never find us here. Can you hear the chainsaws near? Beneath our feet Need the green within our reach To think we're another race Darwin draws Your darling days are drawing near Can you hear the chainsaws near? Disillusionment I hear And when it's gone We'll float up high Headlights a deer, caught in the 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 headlights a deer. Don't make me wanna holler, boom time, draw me down a pallor. Done a pal Boring you holes in my world They bore through my holes to your reason I'm losing it Losing, I'm losing it Losing, I'm losing it Losing, I'm losing it Burn black for him, baby Be black, she burns for him Burn black for him, baby 
headlights, my dear. She's caught in the headlights, my dear. She's caught in the headlights, my dear. There we go. That was Shock Octopus and Deer Caught in the Headlights. And I think um, we've all been a bit caught in the headlights this week with the the great and challenging news that we've had with the uh, election in America. But we'll talk more about that later. Now, Kevin Healy is not here today. He is sick. He's crook. He sends his apologies and um, it could partly because he's still in shock about the, the Trump election, who knows. But we do have Andy here, panelling. How are you, Andy? I'm well. How are you? Oh, I'm pretty good, yeah, yeah. I'm not, not, not doing too badly this morning. That's yes. the way. So um, here we are. It's uh, just the two of us. We're going to get through this morning. Um, today we've got um, potentially two guests today, which is, which is good. Um, we've got potentially um, April Bragg is coming in from um, aged, um, aged Housing, and then we've got Howard Morosi from Friends of Public ha- Housing as well. So mm-hmm. there could be, uh, could be a bit to get through. So I'm sure all of you have heard a lot about the election and, and about Trump, and I think people are probably getting a bit sick of it now, so we won't talk about it a lot. Mm. But I think we should a little bit. It's yeah. only right. Yeah, it's only uh, been just over a week, hasn't it? I know. It's been a week now. It feels a lot longer. Where'd that go? I know. I know. It's just... We're still here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a big, uh, a big shock. A big... I was actually here at 3CR when the news came in. Yeah, I was doing same. Some... I was Were you? Yeah. Just leaving. I, yeah. couldn't, I didn't get any news, so I thought all was well in the world, and then... Yeah, I know. It's a strange walk down Smith Street. <laughs> yes, it was a very strange walk down Smith Street. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's definitely, definitely, um, it's changed the world, you know. And uh, and I suppose, from my perspective, we've got to try and see something potentially good that can come out of this, as difficult as that may seem. Yeah. And my hope is that this this will be a rallying call. Yeah, well, hope, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Fingers crossed, yeah, mm. because under Hillary Clinton, we would have just kept going towards the precipice, slowly but surely towards the precipice. With, with Trump in power, people realise that he's going to take us to the precipice a lot quicker, potentially. Yeah. So yeah, that could true. actually be the mm. rallying call for people to, for the, the rise up that's Some needed. Some change, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It might, I mean, um, it could uh, reinvigorate the Bernie Sanders campaign. Um, and people yeah. realise now, you know, it's serious. I mean, I, I, I've been reading some articles. There was an article written by a climate scientist, which was in The Guardian. And he just basically said that, you know, this, it could be game over for the mm. climate. Well, yeah, he's a climate denier, isn't he? He is. He's already trying to sort of, um, apart from the fact that he's, uh, you know, bringing far-right people into his inner circle mm. with anti- anti-Semitic racist people into his inner circle, um, there yeah. is also the, the, the fact that he's trying to roll back the Paris Climate Agreement. For, yeah. yeah, just hard to process. Hard to process. <laughs> yeah. So, so yes, hopefully this, this creates um, some much-needed um, 
uh, equal and opposite reaction, so yeah. to speak. No, yeah. well, that's a good point. I guess you've got to be optimistic, I suppose. Well, you've got to try and find some way of processing it mm. and, and getting through it, you know. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, so we shall, we shall see. We shall see. It'll be very interesting to see how the next four years goes. And who knows, we might have Bernie Sanders as president of America in 2020. Yeah, 2020 vision. 2020 vision. That's it's right. So, I think. Though he may be a bit old for it. So mm. there are others. Um, I think Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, that's who I was hearing about during the week. Yeah. So, yeah. So that that could be potentially um, potentially good faces. thing. Fresh faces. Yeah. Yes. So what what else has happened this week? There's been a, a lot going on this week, actually. I mean, we've been distracted with the um, the obviously the American presidential election. But also in Australia here, the bad news in New South Wales, there's been some legislation in New South Wales, um, some new Crown land legislation there, mm. which is making it easier for Crown land to be passed over to developers. Yeah, right. Um, which is very problematic. Mm. Um, and the double whammy is that we've also now got um, a new legislation going through the parliament in New South Wales now which will wind back the anti-tree clearing laws. So, yeah. yeah. Mm. So basically, um, whereas before there were provisions in place to try and prevent or limit land clearing, um, a lot of these provisions are going to be removed. Yeah, so right. it's, a, it's a double whammy. So we're going to have uh, more crown land more easily more passed over to, to, to private and, and then the, 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 the laws that will allow land clearing you know yeah right and it's just uh it just feels like it's one step forward two steps back yeah you know i uh mm. i got an email yesterday um asking me whether or not i wanted to send a christmas card whereby um they plant a tree for every christmas card you send which yeah, sounds like okay. a really nice idea but then you think well look what's going on in new south yeah. wales i mean <laughs> it's just one step forward to they're, life like they're, they're clearing yeah. uh, the amount of clearing that's that's going on under under the the new south wales government now is 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 out of control in my opinion mm. um and when you think about, not just from the fact that the world is facing a biodiversity crisis, but also from a, a climate change perspective, yeah. um, it's just the very, the very last thing that we should be doing. Yeah. yeah. So, but then, of course, you know, farmers say that we, we need to make a living and farmers are being stretched all of the time. Farmers are being stretched by the, 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 the two supermarkets who are, who are out to make uh, as much profit as possible. Mm. Um, and it must be tough for for the farmers. So I do, I do think that we should be compensating farmers who have native vegetation on their land. I think we should be paying farmers to manage the land as um, land stewards. Yeah, well, that seems sensible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if we had something like a carbon tax, some of the money from that could actually go to pay pay farmers yeah. to do that. So we've got to take a holistic approach. We've got to um, we've got to obviously preserve the the native vegetation of New South Wales, but we've also got to make sure that the farmers can have a living. And I think that's that's the sort of way we need to be going. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So um, so that's uh, that's that's New South Wales news. Now closer to home here in Victoria, we have um, our opposition leader Matthew Guy. Has been in the news. Did you know that? Uh, no, I haven't. Yeah, he I'm has. He this. has. He's now decided that um, Melbourne's population is growing too quickly, 
and that the regions, uh, regional Victoria, should take a lot more of the population growth. Okay. So now this raises, I think, this raises more uh, questions uh, than it does answers in the sense that when you consider that Victoria's population growth is a hundred thousand a year, and you consider that the population of Ballarat is eighty thousand a year. Yeah. Wow. Eighty thousand a hundred thousand in Ballarat, I think. Not eighty thousand a year, eighty thousand. Um yeah, exactly. Yeah. So getting getting close to a hundred thousand, yeah. But even so And a lot of them are commuters as well. A lot of them are commuters. Do you know, is Bendigo, do you know what the population of Bendigo is? I don't know no. a lot about Bendigo. No, so. I don't know a lot about Bendigo. I should learn more about Bendigo. I'm going to put that on my list of things to do, is yeah. to learn more about Bendigo. I know Greater Bendigo is massive. Like yeah. It's quite a big area. Quite a big area. But when you consider then roughly one, we're actually adding one Ballarat's worth of population a year. Wow to Victoria. So if the regions are going to take it, if Ballarat takes one year's worth of growth, it's going to double Mm. in size in just one year. So that's setting aside the whole issue of of jobs. I'm assuming that these the the idea is that uh, people are going to be commuting uh, to Melbourne. Um, Yeah. But um, therefore, um, setting aside the whole fact that we should be questioning population growth and possibly slowing it down and but I won't go there today. But um, when you consider the fact that, um, that that many of these people will be looking at living in towns that are commutable to Melbourne, um, you've got to wonder how they're going to do that in mm. a sustainable way without creating sprawl in, yeah. the, in the regions. I mean, we don't want Ballarat to, to, to sprawl. Um, so, so, I mean, even, even if you add... Um, had a few thousand here and there into the small towns, even the, the smaller towns than Bendigo and Ballarat, you're still, um, you still can't reasonably expect that to just happen year after year no. after year after year after year. So basically the key, I think, is to, um, well, one, to have a conversation about population growth. Two, is to... Ah, April Bragg's just arrived. Uh, take a Hello. take a few. We'll get you all plugged in. But two, we need to have a look at whether or not we need to be building more new towns or new urban villages. Mm. And what worries me is the um, the sprawl, the low density sprawl that's going on on the urban fringe. Yeah, well, I remember watching Caroline Springs being built. Yeah, and you know it's almost merging with Melton now. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> so. exactly. So we need to be building. We need <laughs> from Caroline Springs this morning. Oh, are you from uh, Caroline Springs? No, but out in the west. Ah. I can tell you about the infrastructure that's not not there. And um, ah, yes, it's yeah, a, it's, it's a huge two hours to get it, from oh, wow. uh, from out of west to here this morning. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. It's crazy. We've got to change the way we we design we build, and develop yeah. and, and build. We've got to be creating urban villages or new towns. Um, yeah. And and we've got to try and create areas that are self-sustaining somewhat so that we, we don't rely upon people commuting into Melbourne so that we create business nodes and all of those things. But the problem is, is that the urban sprawl, as we know, it continues. It's continuing. In mm-hmm. fact, it's doubled. I spoke to Professor Michael Buxton the other night, who's a planning lecturer from RMIT, for those who don't know him. 
And he told me that urban sprawl, low-density urban sprawl, has doubled in the last year. Um, so the problem of urban... And this is despite mm. all the fact that planners have been talking for many years about how we need to end urban sprawl and yeah. how we need to do all these, these, these amazing things, you know, um, urban regeneration projects, densifying the middle suburbs. But at the end of the day, it's business as usual. So we, we do have to seriously, seriously um, start asking some hard-hitting questions, I think. Yeah, and it was interesting. Um, I think the planning minister, um, Dick Wynne, made an announcement some three weeks ago about a new suburb out in the outer west. Yes. Um, so, as you were saying, Andy, um, going from the Deer Park Rock Bank area mm. um, up to towards Melton. So, again, just adding to those those problems because it is just about you know putting houses on on land. And that, but mm. those developers, we're not talking about any social um, or public housing. No out there so it's seen as that answer to people's um you know particularly people young people needing to to enter the market because there are no mm. other options for them there isn't mm. affordable rental mm. um so it's um people do need to um go into home ownership but still not affordable in that I, no. because i can bet you out in those areas even though they're out of lying mm. they'll still be around you know three Three hundred and fifty thousand, four hundred thousand. Exactly. Um, but then all the costs associated with not exactly. having having infrastructure. So it is no different. And every morning I drive past, you know, just I mean I know we all do it, and you, every everywhere you see about vacant land that could be used in the inner in city or near to inner city area. And particularly driving past that Footscray Market site mm. that's now, which is a huge site. That mm. was the old um, wholesale mm. um, market site, fruit and vegetable market uh, site. Is that the big? Big brick. Yeah, but it goes for the whole length mm. of um, almost um, Footscray Road yeah. um, and then back to towards Dynan Road, huge. And the other side of that is the railway land on, on North Melbourne that mm. all could be, that's government-owned land, mm. that all could be developed for, for housing. So, you know, when they talk about, yeah, there's no land left in the in the city, it's... Um, you know, let, let's be honest. It's just about the profits that you can generate from from exactly. developers building in in inner urban. So, if you're serious exactly. about the urban sprawl, and let alone the you know the Fisherman Bend site in Port yeah. Melbourne, that's just going to have, you know, if it's lucky to come out with one um, percent or anything. Um, you know, we've seen that on sites before where public housing's been committed. Um, on large um, tracts of, of land, and um, nothing ends up being put there. Mm. So no, very little. Apartments yeah, that's that's, that's 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 right. In fact, um, I was also I was going to mention Fisherman's Bend actually because the government have said the the state government have said that they're going to in here we go the word <coughs> encourage developers <Yep. laughs> to um, provide some affordable housing in fisher in the developments in Fisherman's Bend if they. In in exchange for being allowed to increase the the height of the yeah. of the building, so if I think is it ten stories? If we go over ten stories, they're then encouraged to provide something like six percent affordable housing. Mm. So it yeah. seems very tokenistic to me, and words like encourage don't yeah. seem very seems very vague. And plus, I don't fully understand. I don't know if you know, April. I don't fully understand how affordable housing would work in that particular instance. I mean, it wouldn't be public housing, obviously, would it? No, they talk about it. Um, <coughs> pardon me. Um, being um, affordable housing, they um, they classify as 70% of the market rent. 
So and there's very mm. still very few, um, particularly people on benefits mm. or you know um, working people that can afford that uh, that um, that type that amount of rent because it will be the market rent and in, mm. in Port Melbourne. I mean, I don't think the the rents would be um, market prices would be any different in Fisherman's Bend as they are in Port Melbourne. Well, exactly. And yeah. rents in in that area are around the you know thousand dollars a yeah. week. Yes. Yeah. So it doesn't it doesn't get to the crux of the issue, does it? In no. any way. And and the no. crux of the issue, of course, is that we need more uh, public housing. Absolutely. Of course. Yeah. And we'll actually and get- open up the criteria so that you know and and you can you open up the criteria about who can actually live in it. So yes. you increase yes. the um. The, the the rental pool in terms of, of generating income mm. to be able to um, put more stock on the ground, mm. um, but it also um, enables people to have that good quality of life if they're not paying mm. more than twenty five percent of their income in rent, whether you're working or whether you're on benefits. It's, exactly, yeah, you know, it's a no brainer really. <laughs> and of course, if they put um, more public housing on the fringe and they continue to develop in the way that they do on the fringe, yeah, um, and and. Um, <coughs> Older people move move in, and they, yeah. they lose their mobility. They they, they yeah. reaches the stage where they don't drive anymore. There's there's a risk yeah. of being a real social isolation out there, isn't it? Yeah, and in our service, uh, we have had instances, um, particularly um, a couple of the large um, community housing providers or registered housing mm. associations built um, properties, good standard mm. pro- properties, good quality housing. Mm. Um, of a contemporary standard, um, modified, so mm. accessibility is really great. But because of the land availability, mm. again, them not having access to inner city land, they yeah. did build out on the fringes. And when we've got property offers for, for people, um, you know, they might say, well, I need to um, mm. stay in Werribee because that's what I'm most familiar with, um, where there is infrastructure. But these properties and also out of, um, out of, out of burn if there's such a place, they are just too far out too far with out. no infrastructure in terms of, you know, buses if people are able to, to yeah. get on to, to buses. So um, they've actually knocked back those offers mm. and, you know, have struggled to, you know, put up with their current situations which often is that they have become homeless mm. and are staying with family and friends. So, mm. um, and and that's a, a really new experience for for our service to basically mm. get housing offers and people saying, "I just couldn't live here." Yeah. Um, because if we yeah. get a housing offer, people, you know, it's like winning Tats Lotto. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so yeah. people go, "Yeah, yeah, of course," you know. For sure. Um, but we're we're faced more and more with more and more with that um, type of situation. It just goes to show how. Um, the planning system we have now, which I think is quite lazy. I think it's a lazy mm. system. It's basically low density on the fringe and high density in, yeah. in the in the inner suburbs, you know, and, and not a lot of thought goes into it. The, the need for public housing, the need for more medium density housing yeah. and all of that. And it has massive re- repercussions. Yeah. Um, apart, I mean, we talk about, you talked earlier about how people... Um, uh, can only really afford to live out on the fringe, but mm. as you as you hinted earlier, I mean, when you look at the the costs of commuting mm. in for mm. it and the time and 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 all the additional costs that that come with li- yeah. living out there, it's not an economically sustainable yeah. option yeah. in the in the long run. It's, but the uh, rent itself isn't isn't affordable, and yeah. I mean when. I, I mean, part of the um, priority housing category mm. um, in Victoria to access public housing is that you've got to demonstrate that you actually can't access mm. private rental and affordability isn't one of, one of those issues. Mm. But it's seen that those outerlying areas are affordable, but it's mm. not it's not the case. It's, no. it's still 50% or more yes. of people's income. Yes. It's just that it's cheaper That's right. than, than in, right. in a, inner areas. Yeah. So um, it's, it's just a... a, a 
a nonsense to, to and be one saying. Of, one of the furfers is that, uh, that, that, that a lot of people use is that if you um, build higher density in the inner and middle suburbs, that somehow that will stop urban sprawl. But the fact is, unless there's some affordable yeah. housing built into that, it can actually increase the problem of urban sprawl because what it does is it, 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 it gentrifies areas and it prices people on lower incomes out, yeah. Yeah. out to the fringe. Yeah. Um, and I see this a lot in, in suburbs like Reservoir and, and Preston where there is a drive to increase densities in those areas. And a lot of people on lower incomes live in share house arrangements. Yeah. And... and <clears throat> um, what happens is a lot of um, p- friends of mine um, have been moved from share house to share house because they, 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 they move into a share house and then the landlord um, pulls it down and builds units there yeah. and then they're, they're, they're pushed away. And, you know, friends who used to live in Northcote are now living in Reservoir and are being pushed <laughs> further and further out. They're going to end up Mernda soon. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So it, it, it just goes to show that un- unless there is some some Plan. real public yeah. housing provision, I mean, setting aside, you, you also have to question whether or not we should be pulling down perfectly decent houses. Yes, and right. a lot of these gardens in the middle suburbs, of course, are very productive because yes. the, the Italian and Greek migrants have created beautiful soil over the mm-hmm. decades and from a permaculture um, food security perspective as well you have to wonder whether or not concreting over the middle suburbs is such a good idea yes, yes. Yeah. so yeah so as you said earlier there are lots of old industrial sites in melbourne that can be developed yeah. well private private developers or developers are, are doing it everywhere yeah so mm-hmm. you know if, they're, if they're, they're finding the the land then you know mm. it's certainly it's it, it is a political will it's a political will and yeah, yeah it, it is um government completely wanting to you know get out of providing housing for, mm. for its citizens and it doesn't Indeed. doesn't have to be the financial um burden that they say mm. it is as, as well apart from that we should be doing it anyway mm. everybody should um you know have a have a decent um a roof over their head so that mm. you know you can prosper in life because without it um you know life is life is really miserable yeah um so but but again if you're looking at um people's income limits you know there's a lot of low to middle income mm. people um that should qualify for public housing and, and again opening mm. up the, the the pool generating the income um they talk about you know public housing is not designed in particularly estates because you need a social mix of, of people and, and um, you know, all the bad publicity that um, generally goes ar- around with public housing. But you can, if that if you think that that's a problem, which I don't think is the problem, um, you can um, have social diversity mm. of mm. people if you um, open, well, well, open I think, up access. I think to what the, a lot of people forget is that the kind of person that would qualify for public housing now is pretty much 99% of the population because, yes. you know, teachers, police. Yes. I mean, most people yes. can't afford to buy if a house. If you do away with the, the, the segments, that's, that's right. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it, 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 it's, yeah, it, it's like it's got to that yeah. stage when you look at, at how, how inaffordable houses yeah. are in, in Melbourne. Yes, interesting. And I think some of the design stuff that that you were saying as as well, there are really innovative designs. The, you know, um, the department, the office of housing has done some mm. wonderful de- designs that, um, 
you know, has has diversity in designs that, you know, suit her, you know, might be talking about 100 units and, yeah. um, you know, diversity in design in terms of accessibility that, you yeah. know, can cater to, to everyone, but some wonderful energy efficient stuff as well. Ah, we've got all the knowledge. Yeah. All the knowledge is and, there. And I'm, you know, I'm always really cross at them because they, yeah. they never promote it. Like no. if they promoted it, no. and, and I'm talking about estates like the, the, the K2 building in Paran, mm. the Robert Street building in, in mm. North Melbourne, even mm. some of the nation building money that bought um, that built um, and department designed um, that the social housing providers now manage such in, in mm. North Melbourne, in mm. Chetwin Street, a, a wonderful mm. design, energy-efficient energy building. Um, it's oh, yeah. fantastic. Uh, so. as, you, as you said earlier, it's all about the political will. Yeah. And, and it's yeah. about um, also, of course, the planning should be about saying this is the way it's going to be and then telling the developers what they yes. need to do. Yes. And yep. then they do it, yep. and they still make money. Yep. But right now, it's kind of—it's like the developers seem to sort of—they they seem to have so much influence. Absolutely, and yeah. and it's all—it's all the wrong way around, yeah. you know. And, and you hear on on radio all the, all the time, people, old people like me, um, ring up and really criticise young people and saying, "Oh, you know, everybody could get a house if they wanted. They just need to to save, and they need to need to, you know, lower their design aspirations." But the reality is that that developers are dictating what type of housing is is being built. And the only places, you know, where where you know people are being forced out to, and we talked about Caroline Springs mm. and and the like before. But I defy anyone to to find anything that like you have. To, you can't build what what you what no, you want. No. You have to build, you know, the six different plans, and they exactly. are the Taurus type ha- type yes. houses, and saying that's what you know yeah. young families want. But well, that I mean, that isn't the case. No, no. <laughs> so I mean, many people of, are really naive about how they, housing they actually works in mm. Australia. They are very, very, very naive. Yeah. yeah, I mean, a lot of people when they live on the fringe, um, because they don't have access to those services, because they're not yeah. walkable neighbourhoods, they feel like they're compensating sometimes yeah. by having a larger house. Yeah. However, if we were building kind of new uh, uh, new Fitzroys and new yeah. Northcutts, mm. things like that, then mm. a lot more people would be willing, I think, to live in medium density yeah, um, townhouses in order to reap the benefits of being within a walkable yeah. neighbourhood. Um, so. And 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 that's absolutely true. It's one of the when we're assessing people, um, you know, who who need assistance from us to to access housing, um, they're the they're the things that you know we look at in terms of criteria that mm. are, you know going to um, make sure that people are able to particularly for our cohort, age in place and stay there. This is, you know, we say to them, we aim mm. to make this the last move, mm. you know, so that yes. you, because often yes. they have been, because we predominantly deal with private renters yes. um, and who have had to, as you were saying before, like your friends have had to, to move and move and move. Well, and that's it's right, yes. Yeah. And that's that's another great viable. thing about public housing. You, yeah. you, you're secure. Yeah. I mean, uh, people... I know people who who sign a lease for a year and then they're told to leave after a year and they're just as you say they're just constantly moving yeah. all of the time. And in recent times, um, in the last couple of months, I've seen um, quite a few clients who have actually only had um, six month leases. Mm. So it's like mm. the landlord testing that that out and yeah. if they can get a higher price in the, in that time and. Uh, I mean, I can't really remember in years where I've seen so many people. You see the occasional one mm. every year, but yeah, we've had quite a few of those. Mm. Um, yeah, and people also, 
Um, and as you say, like in shared houses, which mm. um, we, we, you know, think for younger people, yep, you can probably cope with that. But we're also seeing more older people that for the first yes. time in their lives ending up in share housing yes. arrangement with strangers. Yeah. Um, and, you know, having really perhaps, spe- spe- sorry, specific health needs. Yes. Um, in, you know, um, in, ter- in sharing bathrooms and the, and the like just isn't sure. ex- acceptable. No, know. it's not. It's yeah. not acceptable. We might try getting Howard on the line in a minute. Should we play a tune and try ringing Howard? Then we can add Howard to the. Do you yeah. know Howard? Yes, I do. Oh, yep. excellent! All right, we'll. Yep. we'll Haven't met, but we've we've um, through, through through this program we we have excellent. we've spoken. Yeah. Oh. Hi, Howard. How are you going? Good. Yourself? Yeah, good. Thanks. That's good. Good. Excellent. So um, everyone's happy. <laughs> that makes okay. me that makes me happy. So Howard. Um, I noticed, I didn't get a chance to talk to you, but I noticed you were at the Greens um, Affordable Housing Forum. Um, was it a couple of nights ago? I think it was a couple of nights yeah, ago. Monday night, yep. Monday nights, yes. And um, there was a, a whole panel. Are you happy with, um, with the direction the Greens are going in, in terms of their approach to affordable housing? Uh, yeah, certainly happy with the direction they're moving in. Um, they've actually unveiled a, a very comprehensive plan with 19 points. Uh, would you like me to run through that? Sure, yeah, if you can quickly um, give us a, a summary of that, that'd be great. Okay, well, the, the Greens actually are attacking the uh, issue of housing affordability on four fronts. Firstly, um, uh, they're actually attacking the um, subsidies to uh, to the investors. Uh, so, for example, in negative gearing, End capital gains tax discount on investment properties, tax vacant residential properties, introduce a mandatory quota of 30% affordable housing in all new, medium or large, de- large developments. Mm. Um, and, uh, and then they've got a uh, public housing building policy, um, protecting renters, and then uh, improving the quality of housing and um, living spaces for people. So I can run through all the points, but if people want to have a look at it themselves, uh, they've got a website, fixhousing.com.au. Great, great. And are you, um, April, from an um, aged, aged care housing perspective, are you quite happy with the direction the Greens are going in with their policies? Um, yeah, particularly the targets, having targets, um, build, sorry, new building targets yes. um, are particularly important and, and, you know, goes without saying in terms of removing investment um, uh, gains for, well, stop investing in housing mm-hmm. um, so that people can make um, money out of it. So we'd certainly um, support that. The only thing that um, wasn't clear to us um uh, and Howard, I hadn't, I haven't seen the new strategy. Just um, heard the pre- the press um, that was on it the other day. But uh, whether they are saying um, public housing, so direct tenure, building direct tenure rather than social housing, which of course our preference is, yes. is public housing. Oh, absolutely, yep. yeah. And you've always been adamant about that too, haven't you, Howard? That the the preference should always be in public housing. Yes. Um, so that is actually a possible point of contention. Um, initially, actually, first up, they've actually given a commitment to stop the privatisation of public housing. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah, mm, so that's, 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 a, good that's a line in the sand against what has been going on and what um, what Martin Foley, the housing minister in Victoria, has threatened to do. Yep. Uh, Foley's threatened to transfer titles uh, of much public housing over to the um, 
private sector. Um, so the Greens have given an unequivocal commitment there, which we're very happy with. Um, their policy is to build 200,000 new public and community housing dwellings around Australia. Now that so they haven't actually said how many are going to be public housing and how many are going to be community housing. Our position would be uh, it all has to go into public housing until the um, the waiting list, all the waiting lists have been cleared and then open it up, as I, as I probably was saying before, open, open up public housing to anyone that wants it by changing the income criteria to enter. And then after all those demands have been satisfied, then we, that is Friends of Public Housing and defend and extend public housing, we would then consider um, the government subsidising community housing. If people really desperately want to live in community housing, but I don't think there'd be any need for it at that point. Sure, sure. Yeah, because there's, there's all different methods of creating public housing. I mean, you've got these like co-housing schemes, but you can you can do that through a, a public housing uh, conduit, couldn't you? I mm. mean, it doesn't... And, and again, looking at community housing or what community housing used to be rather than um, yeah. the, the, um, the housing associations. Yes. And in terms of community housing being what local people need, so it might be um, housing that needs supports and yes. has supports from those communities. So I guess that we're talking about similar to the old youth housing, community yeah. housing programs, Absolutely. or um, if there's a group of people that have really specific needs that the community is happy to support, then that, those models of housing, we're certainly not saying, and they're complementary as mm. well, um, but, and it shouldn't be funding one over the other as what's happening at the moment in all capital, um, capital works. Can't you do that through public housing? Can't yes, you actually... Yeah. Yeah, provide public housing. Yeah, you then. can, but I'm I'm saying if there are um, spe- um, specialist um, uh, special needs, then certainly that um, you know that can that can happen as well. Yes. Yeah. Because I imagine with the um, with um, housing for aged people, there's obviously going to be um, some other um, yep. additions added um, in terms of having a bit of more of a support network. Yep. So, yep. so ideally, um, there would obviously public housing would be would be very uh, varied in terms of yep. to suit different different needs. But you would obviously have housing that are more designed for for aged people, but hopefully uh, within walking distance of other types of public housing as well, so that you create that intergenerational kind of community that's important. You, you yeah. don't want to create like enclaves of people no, over no, a certain age. Right. Yeah. And public housing should be of a, a, a universal design that doesn't prohibit anybody um, you know, from yes. li- living in it so and it, it should be, be well, well located to transport and yeah, yeah. Um, you know, yeah. um, other supports that people need such as you know, hospitals and, and, and the like. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Which goes back to the whole thing we're talking about before about how we've got to create walkable neighbourhoods yeah. and neighbourhoods where you can access services. Yeah. Um, but is... certainly you've got, to, you've got to deal with the crisis that, that, that we have and the only yeah. way to do that is through large-scale um, building programs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Putting housing on the ground. Putting well, housing I actually ground. think, um, I agree with April, but I would add the fact that I think the crisis is not so much a matter of supply, uh, or not totally a matter of supply, it's a matter of uh, too much investment, too much money going in from investors and therefore bidding up the price <coughs> of housing and pushing people out. You can actually, see, the Greens have actually identified four things you can do to actually uh, reduce the um, the role of investors, but you can actually go a lot further if you need to to um, take them out. Because what's happening is it's classical uh, economic theory uh, turned on its head. You've got um, a, you've got a private sector 
where government's not really interfering or interfering on behalf of the investors by providing negative gearing capital gains. But as well as that, you've got uh, people on very high incomes competing against people on low incomes. The people on high incomes are, are actually uh, uh, outbidding people that want to buy a home to live in and then putting those same people into rent and they're controlling the, they're pushing up the price and they're also pushing up the rent. So to address that particular aspect, you can actually um, find ways of actually getting those investors out of the market. And that might actually include imposing a, a, a numerical limit on the number of homes that one person can own. Oh, definitely. Yeah, but wouldn't that be more to do with a housing affordability issue um, for people who aren't living in public housing? I mean, which obviously is, 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 is most people, so it's definitely a huge issue. And we're talking earlier, I don't know if you heard, about people in share houses who are often forced out because the, the landlord, you know, decides to put units up and then they get pushed further and further to the fringe, which is a, a growing problem. And of course, all of that comes down to the issues of negative gearing and land banking and rapid population growth and a whole range of other issues that we're facing. Um, but if we're building public housing, that provides um, security irrespective of what the housing market does. And I think that's a really important point, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Look, the, the main thing we're, we're advocating, well, defend and extend public housing and friends of public housing is actually about public housing. What I'm saying is uh, if we're going to broaden the uh, issue to try to cater for people that want to live in private housing oh, yeah. and Absolutely. not public housing, do we need to be um, subsidising investors at all? Should we be allowing them a free, a free open slather, right? No way. No way. This is right. 3CR. Right. We're not going to agree to that. <laughs> and if we, don't, if we don't, then what is the best way to go about doing that, which still allows the right amount of investment to um, provide for people that actually want to live in rental private housing. Yeah. So, yeah, so well, in other words, right. if you have that conceptual framework, mm. if you have that, if you ask yourself that question, mm. you can then brainstorm a whole lot of ideas. Yes. And then work out. Well, you can try them. You know, a number of of, of measures uh, at a time to see if, how how effective they are, and uh, and over time work out the right balance to get in your policy setting. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, though, I mean, do you think that the the number of people purchasing houses would increase if if we if we put those checks and balances in place? Theoretically, the house There's prices. There's no doubt would, whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, most people actually want to own their own home. Yeah. So um, I think, and and it used to be a lot more um, possible economically for people to do that. Yes. Uh, but what we've seen is the price is being forced up. It's got nothing to do with the cost of actually building a home. No. It's no. the cost of competing to own that exactly. home. Exactly, yeah. So in, a, in other words, to address that, you need to actually um, ask yourself why that's happening. And, and the, the obvious answer is, firstly, the level of investor participation in the market and the, uh, the inequality of income, which we've seen mm. grow basically since the Hawke government came into power um, by... You know, for various reasons, including uh, the attack on wages uh, of ordinary workers um, and the, um, the the actual appreciation of capital assets, which have happened, which has happened as well since that time. Um, so they're the drivers behind it. But you you can actually, I mean, I'd rather see them attack those issues directly. Mm. But if you're not going to attack those issues, you can actually uh, put put checks and balances into the um, the housing sector to make sure they don't affect your price. Mm, definitely. What do you think, April? That makes sense to you? 
Um, yeah, I, I guess on that economic sense, I, I was just going to say, though, that um, in people, of course, people um, want to own their own homes because there is no, <coughs> pardon me, other, other options. And I think that if we have a housing strategy and um, that includes a long-term rental mm. for people at a percentage of their income with, with tenure, you know, with mm. life tenure, if we could ever aim for that, mm. then people wouldn't necessarily opt in for mm. for home ownership. I think that when you when you ask people about what is it that you want in your housing, mm. it's it's tenure and it's a, mm. it's affordability, mm. um, and it, and accessibility, and we mm. can actually get that in public housing. Mm. Yeah, I actually agree with April there, yeah. um, because home ownership is actually quite onerous. You've got a you know, you've got a mortgage arrangement with yes. a private bank. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people don't want it, but then a lot of people do. So yeah. what I'm saying is, you're and that's actually, a really and that's a really big struggle throughout your life. Yeah. But particularly, you know, mm. and it means that you sacrifice a lot. And I think for families, um, children, particularly when there are mortgages and paying back banks, mm. um, really miss out on a good quality of life that um, they would otherwise. Yeah, have. Look, I agree yeah. with that. Mm. But what I'm saying is, I think we should put the uh, the option there for the the actual end user. So people decide yep. for themselves, do I want to live in public housing? Do I want to be a homeowner? Do I want to rent? And we design policies to, yep. to actually cater for those three categories of, of consumer or end user instead of what we've been doing for the last yep. 30 years or maybe even longer, which is basically saying it's all up to the private sector yep. and uh, we'll have an open go for investors and mm. that will bring down the price. Well, it's actually done the opposite yep. and actually disproves the conventional economic theory. But given that, how do we go about changing it? Mm. The, the problem is, is that our whole economy is increasingly being built on housing investment. It's we have, you know, um, tens of thousands, maybe who knows how many people in Australia who are negatively gearing, who own, you know, multiple houses. So the government will always do everything they can to prevent um, house prices coming down because what they don't want is they don't want, you know, thousands of people to have houses that are worth less than the mortgages they're playing, um, it would be a, a disaster from their perspective. So I don't think that um, there's any chance on, in the horizon until there's a complete shift in paradigm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, ha- there'd have to be a major, major collapse, economic collapse, or some major change for house prices to substantially start reducing to the extent that the average person will be able to afford them. I, I think the the whole the whole idea is to try and um, inflate those prices as much as possible. That's one of the uh, that's one of the reasons why we have a high rate of population growth. Of course, it's to, it's to keep that that housing market up um, and and as high as. So I really do think that public housing really is going to have to fill fill that that void. I I can't see there being any way whatsoever that. There's any chance on the horizon of people being able to afford to buy a house anytime soon? Uh, what are your thoughts on that, April? Uh, well, yeah, we've been saying that for for a, a long time, and I, th- I think it's about you know the lobbying and promotion that public housing is a is a good model for mm. for you know all all, all people in mm. the sense of you know workers and mm. um, you know pe- people that aren't. It's um it's it's a very good option. It's it provides the things that people need. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Provides all those benchmarks that that we say that people need. Yeah. And you know, obviously, it's there's even though um, people talk about building on industrial sites as a way of um, dealing and uh, preventing sprawl, we, we we also have to be honest about the fact that building on the fringe is going to continue. 
because um, while there is probably sufficient enough space in Melbourne to house a lot more people, it takes time to actually do urban regeneration. If you look at Fisherman's Bend, for example, that's going to house 80,000 people, but it's going to take quite a few decades Mm. to to put together. And 80,000 people is less than one year's worth of, of population growth. So development on the fringe is going to continue so what we have to do is we have to make sure that we we as as we said before when we create better um walkable neighborhoods towns urban villages that can become self-sustained communities in their own right but there's a real opportunity here to create public housing because um if they were to well, for start of its crown land, the government yep. already owns the land. Yep. So, you know, they, there's, there's, a, there's a prime opportunity yep. with, with crown land. And then also, um, when, when land is rezoned from agricultural land to, um, to uh, you know, housing, residential. residential, the value of the land, you know, triples, quadruples overnight. So the landowner does very, very well out of it. So why is it there like a, a rule that 10%, at least 10% of that land has to be set aside for public housing as a kind of a super profits tax? Um, because the landowner has suddenly just, you know, yeah. made so much, so much money. So these are the kind of, this is the kind yeah. of thinking we, we have to be doing, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and without a, a comprehensive strategy, yeah, that looks looks at all of those. I mean, it's it, um, it's easy. It is easy to to do. And, Where there's and again, a will, it's, it's, yeah. it's the will and yeah, wow. jobs to keep <laughs> chipping away at it. I, I guess, right. but but um, yeah, I, I think that um, particularly younger people, um, we need to bring them into you know into this d- debate, and mm. um, because their future is very grim. It is very grim. Yeah. Well, you're right there, April. I think that's really the key. Um, it's all the people that have been disenfranchised yeah. now that can actually change the situation. Mark actually identified the uh, vested interest that would stand to lose if we changed the system. But the point is they're only a, a fraction yeah. of the population. Yeah, absolutely. We have a democracy. Yeah. Um, you've just seen in the USA and Britain, mm. um, people may not like Trump, but he certainly uh, overturned the uh, conventional neoliberal way of thinking. But you also had Bernie Sanders, who probably would have beaten Trump and has certainly um, got a hell of a lot of support amongst young people. And Trump's virtually got no support amongst young people. In Britain, you've got Jeremy Corbyn that's just fought off the uh, parliamentary wing um, by relying on the rank and file. And the reason he's done that is because he's actually appealing to people's uh, interests as well as their altruism and not the best interests there. So it's a question of the political forces here actually mobilising people by firstly having the policies and secondly by communi- communicating those policies outside the established media and because the established media are, are what are, is actually um, being the gatekeeper for the, mm. the best interests at the moment. Um, as well as that, we've actually, we're actually expecting an announcement from um, the Andrews government by the end of the year as to what their 10-year housing policy is. So now is actually a good time for people to be lobbying if you know anyone. If you're in the ALP, if you know anyone in the ALP to be lobbying or just to lobby your um, your local member or Andrews directly. Uh, we leafleted the ALP state conference over the weekend. We handed out 1,000 leaflets and probably got to about 90 delegates. Uh, that's defend and extend public housing. So we actually outlined what the issues were, what the problems were with policy, and so that, that message has now got through to them. Uh, and we've actually got a vigil outside Foley's office 
if people are interested, next Monday. Um, that's Martin Foley's office. Do you want me to get the details for that? Yeah. Yes, please. That'd be great. So that's next Monday, 9am to 3pm, and Foley's office is 46 Rouse Street, Port Melbourne. Brilliant. Thanks for that. And just quickly before we go, oh, no, go right. And yeah. um, sorry, just also adding to that, um, it's our annual general meeting um, tomorrow and we're um, launching our older persons or towards an older persons housing strategy, which, um, you know, covers a lot of what we said today, um, apart from specific specific needs, but, but along the same line that, um, of course, that... You know, public housing is the is the solution. Excellent, yeah. excellent. And before we go quickly, what do you both think about the Andrews government's latest uh, contribution towards uh, ending homelessness? They've thrown a bit of money into the yeah, situation. I think um, was it um, 109 million mm. over 20 years, but really targeted mm. housing and support. So there there mm. is some um, capital works money there. Yes, but but of course we'll only provide about 70 units. But it's yeah. really making sure that the supports that um, those particular cohorts of young people, um, people who um, have uh, mental health unwellness, Mm. um, those issues. So um, it's a a good move, but it's certainly not going to... um you know, to house the nation, and no, we need the feds. No. Um, the concern with the feds is that they um, still haven't agreed to sign the National Partnership Agreement, mm. um, which is the, the agreement between the Commonwealth and the state about housing housing funds. But again, it'll be about managing homelessness yeah. and not about housing on the ground. So. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's the key issue. The key issue is actually to provide um, uh, secure housing yeah. for people and not temporary housing, which is. We don't even know if it's if they're going to provide public housing or whether it's going to be community housing. They didn't actually say yeah, the announcement. Yeah. Mm. Okay. But I'll tell you what, uh, on Friday, the age was talking about 21 million. By Sunday, the figure went up to 109 million. So yeah. you can possibly join the dots there. Yeah. 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 Yeah, there were bits and pieces of, of announcements. Mm. Yeah, I think it's um, going to be social housing because how, they were talking about, um, if I've got this right, infilling particularly around the Flemington high-rise, so, so using you know that what they call as unused land, which there is an issue around that about you know um, high-rise tenants, of course, needing um, open space. Sure, so sure. Um, it would be um, it's critical that the Flemington tenants are involved in that, but to sure. look at the plans to, to well, it's wrong. It's wrong for them to be putting in social housing there. Yes. It should be public yeah. housing. Should be public well, housing. And again, yeah. that, that's the stuff about, you know, mm. saying, well, we need the, the social mm. <laughs> social mix, which is... I know. That's know. why we've got to keep pushing the public housing Which is nonsense. Tracks. It's just about them not wanting to to own or manage the stock. Well, that's right. Yeah, yeah exactly. We could, we could talk a lot more about this, but unfortunately we are coming to the end of the show. Uh, thank you both. No, for, thank you. Thanks, April, for coming in. Thanks, Howard, for, thanks, for um, phoning through. And, um, yeah, keep up the good work, both of you. It's, it's critical, very, very critical <laughs> stuff that, that you're doing. So all the best. Thanks, Mark. Thanks. See you next week.